Hey, and welcome back to the Wolverine Podcast. I'm John Borden here with Tom Crawford, our uh, usual Tuesday night guest. You know, Tom, all of you who are fans of Press Pass that you can watch on Sunday nights on Fox 47. And also, uh, Tom has his own broadcasting podcasting network that uh, he created. And we keep up with that. Tom, great to have you with us. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, Michigan's 10-0 for the first time since, what, 2006. Uh, it's great to have some involvement with Michigan football this year. It's a special season, and it's always fun to talk about it with you, John, each week. There's no question about it. We're hoping to have another special guest here in a few moments, and we will uh, cross our fingers and look to, uh, to welcome that individual in. Now, I've got... Um, as you said, 10-0, and 0, number three in the nation. We'll find out uh, later on this evening exactly where they stand in the, uh, in the playoff rankings. And we know uh, third place uh, a week ago, and we'll see. There's, they've done nothing to uh, displace themselves, certainly. But it seems like it is all in Michigan's hands. I know that you, uh, you were paying special attention to a, uh, I believe it was an SI article, today that was talking about Michigan's schedule and uh, the possible pitfalls there. But uh, I, uh, again, you win out, you don't have to worry about that. You lose that Ohio State game, and then we might revisit the discussion that we had in uh, in earnest before the season started. Yeah, well, there's no, in my estimation, I know we're going to talk about this uh, in the podcast, that there's no sense of revisiting it if they lose because I think they're going to be out. But, the, hey, you, you can control your destiny uh, just winning out. And that's the way you want to play it. You know, I mean, you want, if you're in control of your destiny, you're, you're, you're living a gifted life, I, I think, in college football. And uh, beat Illinois, which I think is going to be a little bit more challenging, perhaps, than most people think. Michigan's defense, or offense, rather, is, is looking a tad challenged in its vertical passing game, and that needs to be refined a little bit. Uh, the red zone issue as well. Um, but they're still running the football, and this defense is uh, a special defense. I think it's in that category. Uh, and I go back in Michigan lore back to 1964. I've seen some great defenses. And this is, this is grooming to be one of the best, I think. And so excited about that. And, and then you go down to Ohio State, win that game. Uh, and then, then you control it. You go down to Indy, win that, and then go on to the CFP. But, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, fans, what, what fans do in, in media, they, they look at backup plans in case this doesn't work. And this is what they'll talk about on the CFP tonight. You know, well, if, if uh, Michigan loses, you know, well, they get a bid and it's Tennessee and all these other options, TCU, uh, potentially USC. And so, uh, you don't worry about it. You're right. Control your own destiny. That's what you embrace. Yep, get it done. Uh, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about Illinois later in the podcast when we bring that topic up because I am not as convinced that uh, ah. they're going to be. Hey, there she is. Hey, she's there an angel. she is. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Angelique Changelis, the not only the angel of the big house, but also the newest member of the Hall of Fame of uh, Michigan <laughs> Stadium, uh, the uh, the press box. Welcome to the podcast. I'm the angel of my car right now, yes, so yes. I'm sorry about the uh, the background, but I just made it to Ann Arbor. <laughs> all, all that shows is your dedication. 
Yes, yes, definitely for you too, yes. Tom and I were just talking about Michigan controlling its own destiny. Uh, People have talked about the non-conference schedule. Yeah, problem there. Maybe if they drop that Ohio State game. I I picked them before the season to go undefeated through the, the regular season up to Columbus, drop a close game, and then still make the playoff, which... You know, it's a little controversial right now because people are talking about that non-conference schedule. And I'm, you know, if, if you're Michigan now, you're not thinking about playing Ohio State close. You're thinking about winning that game. Your thoughts about Michigan controlling its own destiny at this point? Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I caught the very end of, of what you and Tom are talking about. And, and I, I think Tom is erring on the side of the CFP and, and how they've been describing Michigan, not only as workmanlike, which is not a negative, although it sort of sounded like a negative when I first heard it. But, it's a negative. Uh, a little bit, um, <laughs> especially because it was said in in the same sentence with Ohio State being basically very flashy and uh, high scoring and highfalutin. Um, you know, it, it, it goes back to Tom's question at Big Ten Media Days when he asked Jim Harbaugh about the non-conference. I mean, that's coming back to bite them. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be really hard for if, if there is that scenario with, with a close game, you could make an argument for it. And I, I think that, that, John, you mentioned Tennessee potentially is a, could be an issue in, in, that, in that scenario of Michigan getting in. But it's, there's a slim chance. But, I, I mean, you can't rely on slim chances. You've got to yeah. win these next two games. And then I think you, you see Michigan in, the, in that Final Four. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think that there is that chance that if you r- ran the table this far, played a 2006 game, light game at Ohio State, you there would still be a chance. But you don't want to take that chance. The, if you're Jim Harbaugh, if you're this team, there's no reason. And I, I see it setting up the same way. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Ohio State being the flashier team, the higher scoring team. But that's exactly the way it was a year ago. And we saw what happened. It's a different setting in Columbus, obviously. But one of the things Michigan has going for it, we'll uh, shift gears here a little bit, is that it has risen to the top of the defensive statistics in uh, a number of categories in the nation. Scoring, total defense, uh, rushing defense. I know that that there are some teams in the Big Ten that are not uh, terribly adept at scoring points this year. So uh, starting with you, Angelique, how do you how do you measure that in terms of, OK, this is obviously a very good defense. Is it a great defense? Well, is it the chicken and the egg scenario here, too, John? I mean, is it because Michigan's defense is so good that these teams have struggled to run the ball against against Michigan and score points against Michigan. I happen to think this is a is a really good defense, and and I and I like it. Uh, I really like this defense, and uh, you know Jim Harbaugh doesn't like to make comparisons, but I think we're okay doing that. And I I like this defense better than last year's. I mean, there were some great pieces to last year's defense, but um, you know, and sometimes I was going back. I was thinking about what what Harbaugh was saying before the season about it's a no star defense and. Uh, you know, I like defense. Sometimes those are the best defenses I've coached and they, they've come through. And sometimes I hear that and I'm like, oh, it's just Jim trying to talk up a defense that maybe is going to be eh, mediocre. But I think he was being sincere and I think that's accurate. I mean, I think that this is really 
They they have a lot of depth, and the defense is getting production from every level. I think that there are still some pieces. I mean, I think you've seen the defensive backs, you know, be they've given up some big plays, but in the end, the defense has stopped drives when they've needed to, and, and they've really. It's been impressive the second half these last five games. I think it's what one seventeen to three now that that Michigan has outscored teams in the second half. So um, you know, I, I think that this is a lot. A lot of the lack of production is because of Michigan's very stout defense. There you go. Good points, Tom. Uh, can Michigan will that defense travel? Can it do the same thing in Columbus? that it did a year ago in Michigan Stadium. And 27 points, I mean, that's decent, but it was so far below Ohio State's average last year. Yeah, if they can uh, conquer the shallow crosser, we know what that's like in Columbus. We've seen that. Uh, but, you know, and I, I agree totally with Angelique. And I've, you know, my, my background in Michigan football, as I mentioned, goes back to the 60s. And that late 60s, early 70s, Michigan's had defenses where the players would swarm to the ball we're at everybody met at the ball carry. I think Harbaugh alluded to this earlier in the year, and I'm seeing it optically that there's a lot of there's a lot of winged helmets at the ball, which where as opposed to just open field tackles in the past. So I I, I really I, I I'm with Angelique. I totally love this defense. I think it is a strong suit of of this Michigan football team. And when we talk about offense, that's when I think the challenges pop up in my head. And I'm talking about the red zone offense. I'm talking about the lack of a vertical passing game and all the stress of having Blake Corum carry this team to victory against a team like Columbus in at the horseshoe and then potentially down the road against Georgia's defense, which is faster than hell. That's what I'm concerned with more than the defense, obviously. Yeah. All right. Well, on the other side of the ball, you've got Blake Corum, who is putting together one of the best seasons in Michigan football history. And uh, my question, Tom, you're already warmed up, so you take this one first and we'll go to Angelique. But does he end up in New York in December? And uh, if so, why? I, I think I think he'll end up in New York. And, and the reason why, I think the, the race is close enough, and I'm not a voter, Angelique is, but I mean, I think there's going to be four to, I don't think there's going to be a massive gap. And so what they typically do is they'll bring five. I think this is one of those years to be five. And I think that, I think Blake's going to be one of them because I think he's going to have good games in these last two games. And my God, he's he's getting a, he, you know I, I thought you know I, I'm saying his, his effort was workmanlike, but you look up and he's got 140 yards. I mean, he's getting yards without even you realizing he's getting yards, getting a lot of carries. But um, I, this is an amazing running back. I mean, I go back, you know, I mean, you could go back to to Tyrone Wheatley and to Mungabiaka Batuka and all these. And all these other uh, players, but I and this is you're going to think I'm crazy and embellishing this young man, but I think he's a cross between Derrick Henry and Barry Sanders. And people think, oh man, you're crazy, you're crazy. But you look <laughs> at his style; it combines a little bit of the two. And and I'm going to ask you too: Have you ever seen a more jack? You know, we go to the post game pressers, and they're sitting in front of us, and Blake comes in there all confidence. But have you ever seen a body that's more jacked up? pound for pound than Blake Corn who's ever sat in front of us. I mean, this dude, how do you tackle a dude like that? That's my question. I'll, I'll think, tell you, Tom, it's John Borton. I mean, John, when you see John in the in the post-game press conference, that's what yeah, I – that, yeah, yeah, All right. Yes, all right. that's him right all there. Right. 
<laughs> All right. Seriously, now uh, talk about what you've seen from him, and, and do you think that he will be a, a Heisman candidate? I agree with Tom. I was thinking about that today. I mean, I believe last year was three finalists were in New York. Uh, I think when Jabril Peppers went, there were five. So I think uh, I agree. It'll be something like that. And, um, you know, it's it's it, it really comes down to Columbus. And that's the big stage. That's where if Blake Corm has a huge game, I think that ensures him going to New York. I, you know, if if he doesn't have a great game, I, I guess that that will probably maybe keep him from going to New York. But um, but to your points, I mean, he is a tremendous running back, and, and he has carried this offense, and, and he has wanted to. I mean, he wants the ball. I, I really think he wanted to come back in a couple weeks ago, and, and Mike Hart's like, no, you got to sit. You got to rest. And, um, you know, Harbaugh joked earlier in the season that he could play back-to-back games. I mean, okay, realistically, no, but that's the kind of motor he has, and um, and, and just seeing how he has changed his game, how it has evolved. And I asked him about it a couple weeks ago, and, and it, it was really more for him learning how to become patient and, and seeing the field a little differently, slowing the game down in that sense. And uh, it, it's been a joy to watch. And, and he's, he's a very fine young man. So it, it's, it's been um, on both those sides, on the field and off the field, it's been a pleasure to, to cover Blake Corum. No doubt. Terrific kid. He'll be giving out the turkeys again soon. And uh, let me draw one parallel between my mighty physique and Blake Corum's. We're about the same height. <laughs> I, I got that going for me. Yeah. And uh, I have not seen him wear any sweaters yet. I, I mean, we'll, we'll give him some time. No, he came wrapped like a mummy in the last oh, post game. Yeah. Maybe, I, yeah. maybe right. I should try that. But uh, that's right. Uh, this is this is a kid that uh, just is very frustrated if they lock him out of the uh, out of the weight room, put limits on how hard he can work, and that has been uh, an amazing part of his success story. And I just think he's answered. He's checked every box. All people were saying before the season, well, maybe he is not as durable. We don't know. Can he gain the short yardage? Can he do this? Can he, the answer is yes, yes, yes. Now, Angelique, great point. Uh, Ohio state is uh, the biggest stage in the big 10. We will see what he does down there. And, uh, you know, we know JT was short. We're going to see if Blake is long when it comes time. Uh, now besides Blake Carl, we are facing a situation, and we're going we're gonna to look, you know, Michigan has to play in one game at a time. They're all focused on Illinois. We're going to talk about Illinois. But right now, we don't have to play in one game at a time. I'm taking a peek ahead and asking you, Angelique Changelis, if Michigan is good enough in the passing game to get it done down in Columbus. I'm not convinced it's good enough in the passing game. I, I think that, um, you, you know, you'll get Luke Schoomaker back. I, I think that's, you know, he's not a receiver, but he is a guy that J.J. McCarthy is very comfortable with. Um, I, you know, Ronnie Bell is another guy. You know, I think in this conversation about J.J. McCarthy and the deep ball and, and the passing game, you, you know, you got to put some of this on the receivers too. I mean, getting yes. separation has not been key yes. for the, this no. group since last season. I think right. Ronnie Bell, you know, was a guy coming in last year who they believed would be that guy. And Darrell Anthony, you know, there were a couple times. It was early in the season. I was trying to think which game it was. It was a home game, and it was a deep ball. And 
I saw him, he was slowing down in the route yes, a little bit. Yes, yes. And, you know, it, it's so it's hard to get timing on these balls. And, and yes, you know, I heard Doug Karsh on the radio broadcast Saturday say they spent all last Tuesday working on it. Well, they need to spend like all week working on it. And um, do I think it'll it'll click? Yes, I do. Will it happen in Columbus? Well, I mean, they certainly hope so because they do have to be balanced because you know that this is going to be a, a much stouter defense that Blake Corum and this offensive line are going to face. You know, it'll be tougher for him to grind out those yards. And so this is going to be an opportunity for J.J. to prove that that and the receivers that they can get it done. But right now, I mean, I, I think the jury's out. I, I mean, I was a little more like, no, but, I, you know, I, I've got to believe it's there because we saw it at Indiana. We saw that that he could he could put up the passing yards there. And, you know, I think it's it's going to be – it's important to have Luke Schoonmaker back. And uh, and I think you're going to count on him and, and Ronnie Bell. And and I think Roman Wilson is a guy that he, – he could be the surprise guy in Columbus. No doubt. Tom, your thoughts? Well – you know, I, I couldn't agree more about the re- receiving core lack of separation. And I'm, and I watch some, you know, we go to the games and I come home and I tape them. I watch them again. And, and, and Andrell, you know, and I've known Andrell since he was a kid. I, I, I text with his dad from East Lansing and, um, you know, they're, sometimes they get their frustration. They're not getting targets, but I mean, you've got to get separation. And it seems like, seems like they're getting into these karate battles going down on these routes and they're slowing themselves down. I mean, there, there was a deep ball that Andrew, I think, slowed up a tad on. Uh, I, I don't know if it was this last game or the game before against Michigan State. And uh, separation is key. Ronnie Bell gets separation. Roman Wilson can be that guy on the shallow crosser that Ohio State did to Michigan. But where is where is in the red zone, Angelique and John, where is the waggle play to Jeremy Tooman? Where's the tight end? Well, Benny Jopra, we used to run these post corners when he was playing here in the early 2000s, where the tight end would catch him. I'm not seeing any creativity in the passing game deep in the red zone or else, you know, midway red zone that poses a threat to the defense. All we're seeing is negative plays on first down. We're trying to ram it down like Michigan State, taking four down. That's my problem, Angelique, is where's the creativity in the, in the passing game? Well, I think that what didn't Jim uh, try to make the point after last week's game that look, you know, how about that play in the red zone? The the uh, it was a little yeah. bit more creative, but where I agree with you. And look, I've been harping on it for a month before a couple games ago. The uh, which game was it now? Where they had all the the field goals in the first half, and everybody yeah, was Michigan like, State. Oh, red yeah. Zone. yeah, that's right. And and I'm just like, you know, this is not just happening. This has been happening a lot this season. And it goes back to the play calling too. I mean, you know, you've got two play callers. Uh, you know, I, I I put this on Matt Weiss. I mean, I I think he's your th- your third down red zone guy. And and you've got to be more creative. And you've got to find ways. And and yes, I I understood what what Jim Harbaugh was saying after the Rutgers game, fourth and one, and going for it four downs to get in twice. And you know that's showing your grittiness, I guess. But I agree with you. I mean, you've got to be more creative. And, um, you know, Blake Corum is your go-to guy, but it's also about wear and tear on him. And you've got to, you've got to utilize all of the weapons that everyone has been talking about since preseason. Um, you know, maybe they, maybe the receiving group isn't what we thought it was. All right. Let me add just a couple things, uh, maybe to play uh, Urban Meyer's advocate or however that saying goes. Uh, <laughs> that, no, no, Devil's advocate. That's right. Um, 
you, you've got you've got Doug Karsh, whom Angelique referenced, saying, insisting that uh, Michigan has some stuff tucked away just for Ohio State. You are winning games by an average of 42 to 11. I don't know as they've have necessarily had to dip into things that maybe they didn't want to show. We'll see. We'll see if, I mean, uh, they may try to go to it in Ohio State, in Columbus, and it may not work out. But I, I think as you get into a game where they very well could be behind at some point, which they haven't had to deal with, you might see a little bit more. I will also say this. I, this was fascinating to me when I look back at last year's uh, numbers. Cade McNamara in that game goes 13 for 19 for 159 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. It is not like they tore Ohio State apart. I mean, C.J. Stroud, he's 34 for 49, 394 yards, two touchdowns. Michigan did not, in that game, need to tear them up through the air. And I get it. There's a different defensive coordinator. It could be a totally different situation. But I was I was a little surprised looking back. I remember the uh, the 37-yard throw uh, to to um, it was uh, uh, oh help me out here uh, Johnson to CJ. set up a touchdown. Yeah, to CJ to set up a touchdown. And then, uh, but that was really it as far as downfield passing. That's, J.J. That's McCarthy right. got up, went one for one, got off a 31-yard, you know, kind of a, a dump and run. But I, I just wonder if, if, you know, they can go with the same sort of thing or if, if they will be so stacked against that run and so oh. geared up after what happened last year that uh, they're going to have to throw significantly more than that. I, I I don't think you should underestimate Knowles in this defense. I mean, I think Ohio State's better. I, I At the start of the season, I would say that would work, John, but I think that they've gotten their acts together on, on the defensive side. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's just going to be – and it's in Columbus. What, Michigan hasn't won there since 2000. I, I mean, this is – there are so many factors. I, I just think that Michigan has to have that ability. And I, I'm not saying it's not there. And, and I'm not – I'm also not a big fan of hiding things either. I mean, I think you got to – You've got to try to run not every little wrinkle, but try to get things out there and, and work through them in game at game speed in a game versus practice where it's everybody's it's friendly, friendly fire, as they say. So um, I, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be tough. And yes, I've looked ahead at the weather. I, I mean, I can't help myself. I mean, it, I do too, yeah. you know, like 10 to 15 mile an hour winds and maybe a little rainy. So I think that maybe that that's going to be a factor, too. I mean, we can't underestimate that element either. That'd be a good thing. You know, uh, John, if I could chime in on that, you know, as, as you know, as far as, uh, you know, what Michigan has been doing in their running game as, as, as of right now, if they continue to, to act like they've been ha- behaving right now, this is a 14 to 17 point loss in Columbus. I promise you they're going to lose by double digits, but you know, use some of that creativity. I mean, this goes back to sometimes the, the frustrations I have with Jimmy running that, and around option pass that, that became a PR nightmare against Michigan State. How come that wasn't saved for the Ohio State game? I mean, my God, you're up 29 to 7. Why are you using that play with under four to go? Save that in the toolbox. This is the stuff that b- blows my mind 
Uh, moving forward, listen, I'm loving the 10-0 as fan media. I'm loving it, okay? But I'm just seeing, and I predicted like you, John, in Indy, I said, this team's got 11-1 and written all over it. It's got 11, you know, look at the schedule. They're going to beat Penn State. They're going to beat Michigan State at home. But they're not going to go to Columbus and win it because I just because for well the reasons we're talking about right now I just don't see it happening uh, and, and and let's say we see some unleashing of some fine tuning in the creative passing game on on Saturday against Illinois. All right, very well. I already owe you a milkshake. Uh, we all know about that bet. Well, we can. I, I am willing to go double or nothing right now. You mean that JJ? You mean that JJ K. McNamara milkshake? Is that what we talking about? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, okay. The uh, the one who is playing versus the one who just had surgery. So okay, okay. you know, <laughs> I, um, but I'll, I'm willing to go double or nothing that Michigan does not <laughs> lose this game by 17 points in in Columbus. Uh, well, uh, we'll think about that. We'll, we'll talk about that next okay. week. Okay. All right. We'll okay. give him okay. some time to think about that. Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, I will go to Angelique and uh, and ask Illinois. We better talk about them. They are there on the schedule this weekend. Illinois, legitimate foe or fraud? I think somewhere in the middle. I, I mean, I, I've not been completely sold that this is a really good team. I mean, it Look, you got to consider that West Division and what the teams that are in there and the competition. Um, I think they have some very good pieces. I mean, you got Brown is is very good. Um, they've got a couple. They've got a couple guys in their secondary who are uh, very legit. And I mean, I think you've got a first team All American back there, at least a second team. And so I think that they're really good. I I, I really liked the Brad Bielema hire when they made it. I think he's a he you know he's he's a tough coach. He's made them tougher. Um, but I think that the only way Michigan, you know, I, you can't look ahead, obviously. And I I think that that's been a very a very good part of this team, this Michigan team, is they have remained focused. No one has even talked about the Ohio State game in Columbus next week. And and I think that they're focused on, on getting this done. So I think it'll be another workmanlike game. Um, but I also think that they're aware that I don't think that Jim Harbaugh wants to, to pander for vote, you know, like, but I think they know that they should probably put on a little bit of a show on Saturday, if possible, just going into that Columbus game to have people thinking um, about what we've discussed earlier about that, that, the CFP in the final four and the possibility of getting two in. Sure. All right, Tom, legit foe or fraud? Uh, uh, they're slight, they've slid into the fraud category. <laughs> and, 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 and I've been saying to Evelyn, I go, one of these weeks, Illinois is going to be coming Illinois. And they did it last week and they became Illinois again. And I said, UCLA is going to be coming UCLA. Sometimes it just you just feel it coming. And even I saw Illinois, for some reason, I had plenty of time that day. I watched the entire Illinois-Indiana game back in September or whatever. And it's just like, God, this is still Illinois. And it's I, I think that their defense, though, is really good. The Chase Brown thing is huge. If he doesn't play, I mean, Michigan shouldn't have that much challenge stopping these guys offensively. Illinois' defense is very good. I'm, I'm feeling like a 24-7 workman-like, which we always like to use. <laughs> Kind of win, and I and answer. I really don't think that Jim's going to go after style points because all you you don't you you don't have to show. It. You're not like Tennessee where you got to hammer people because you're you know you're in the clubhouse and you got to glorify things because you don't have any control of your. You can't get to a a, a conference championship. Michigan just got to win, and I think he knows that. 
and just lay it all on the line at Columbus. And if they get creative, they're going to win that game. If they don't get creative, they're going to lose by a couple touchdowns. That's very fair. I, I, I would agree with that, Tom. And I'm going to go fraud all the way because I see <laughs> I see Illinois with as big a chance of leaving Michigan Stadium uh, as much damaged in reputation as Penn State was when they came in as one of the top rushing defenses in the nation and the maybe the second best team in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. And, and Michigan just wore them down and beat them up and – I get the fact that Illinois has played good defense this year. I also get the fact that Illinois is in the West, and it's just like this this battle to see who can emerge to get absolutely blown off the field in Indianapolis by the East win. Um, so that's where I'm sitting right now. Uh, players don't listen, focus, all that kind of thing. But uh, that that's where that's where I'm at. This next question. I want to uh, I want to direct to Angelique because you have done considerable good work in this area in recent days, and it has everything to do with the fallout from the Michigan State game, the tunnel incident, and what I'm wondering is, and what a lot of people on our message board and on our website are wondering is, what uh, why the silence from the Big Ten? What can we expect and when and, and everything that uh, you've kind of talked to? I know you've talked to people. Uh, your, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, I mean, you know, John, I, I don't know how long the prosecutor is going to take with this investigation. And I mean, it took two weeks for the U of M police department to get through all this. You know, there were a lot of people to interview. There were a lot of people in that tunnel a lot of eyewitnesses, uh, you know, they had all the video to to go through. So, you know, now the prosecutor has it. And the Big Ten, from my conversations, they, they are waiting to see what comes out of this. Will there be charges against a player, two players uh, from Michigan State? That's that's very possible. And, and how will the Big Ten come down on this? I, I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, Michigan State did the right thing right away. They they first they they suspended the the four players and then another four players, um, and indefinitely. I mean they haven't practiced. They haven't they haven't participated, and um, you know you keep hearing it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. I just don't think you can put a, a timeline on it right now. I, I mean it, they the prosecutor is going to take his time to go through this. And um, but I would not be surprised to see uh, at least criminal charges against one of the one of the players. I, I'm, I'm not I don't know that for sure, but that's the vibe I'm getting. OK, that's a separate entity than anything that the Big Ten might do. But uh, obviously, that's that's huge. Um, do you anticipate the Big Ten potentially going beyond the the suspensions that have already been rendered and doing uh, something with regard to uh, a, a sanction on Michigan State? I don't know, John. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, the suspensions so far have been, I, I think, generally well received by everyone involved. I mean, could they look at the, the tunnel security as something? I mean, Michigan certainly made changes on Saturday Everyone saw it. You know, the Michigan team waited, waited. They were held back until everyone from Nebraska was up the tunnel. Uh, probably a good move. I, I mean, you know, no one has ever seen what happened after the Michigan State game before, but there's been pushing. There's been 
there's been jawing and all those things. And, you know, I, I think that that was a, a good step by Michigan to, to, to at least make those changes security wise. Um, you know, will they, will the big 10 want to see Michigan maybe add uh, a beefier security force in the tunnel versus volunteers or people who are in there? That's quite possible too. Um, you know, they have all sorts of sportsmanship policies and, and I, I, I'm certain the Big Ten can probably go through those and find something that would apply to both programs at this stage. But um, but right now, I, I think the Big Ten's in a in a standby, you know, waiting for this this prosecutor's decision, just like everybody else is. Okay, Tom, let me uh, direct uh, the the series question to you, and then if Angelique wants to weigh in, uh, that would be good as well. There are people that are out there that say, hey, this this series needs to take a break for a year or two. And uh, that would be difficult to do next year because you aren't in that switch uh, where you're adding the adding teams yet. But uh, in in Commissioner Tom's world, if you were running the show, would you (laughs) would you give these two teams a timeout in the series just because of how nasty it has gotten? Uh, three year, uh, three words. Oh hell yes, yeah. And I'm telling you what, Bacon, uh, John, you Bacon, we love John, you, and 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 he he came out with some heavy content on Saturday night when we were in the press conference, and and uh, and and I'm up here in East Lansing. I got Michigan State people all around me, and uh, and I got access to a lot of sites. And I mean, you would not believe the venomous attitudes are uh, towards him. Um, it's it's kind of scary stuff. And uh, this is a bad, bad rivalry, as Bobby Williams called it many years ago. And I wish it would take a break. I mean, I was talking to Mike Bellini today of, of 97-1. He goes, uh, I wish Michigan State, his alma mater, would uh, go down to the ACC. Uh, they, and to hell with a Big Ten. You know, I mean, so you're getting these, uh, you're getting these, these emotional, uh, grandiose statements that all of us are doing because we love our schools. It's a toxic rivalry. It's a bad rivalry. I've talked to former players at Michigan. I'm sure Angelique has as well. It's a different kind of, 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 of situation between Michigan Ohio State versus Michigan Mich- Michigan State. I mean, it's a dirty rivalry on that field. You don't want to hang around the pile at Michigan State, says Michigan players, whereas Ohio State is much cleaner and more respectful, even though it's, you know, it, you're trying to win a, a Big Ten championship. So, yeah, I want this. I, I, I hate this rivalry. I can't stand it. I, I think the basketball game uh, in early January up at Breslin is going to be interesting. Let me just say that, especially when Hunter Dickinson is, you know, he's thrown, he's got some vibe going on there with a, with their fan base on, on social media. Uh, I know how Izzo feels about Michigan. Uh, and he don't like Michigan. Izzo don't like Michigan. And it's going to show. You're kidding. And, no. I mean, he, <laughs> told me he hates Michigan. He hates Michigan. Okay. Is it a sports hate? Hate is yeah. a strong word. But right, it's, right. Uh, it's being used so, uh, you know, loosely these days. It's kind of scary, especially what's going on in the political environment. So, no, I, I hate this rivalry. I can't stand it. Okay. Obviously, Tom's not passionate about this topic. <laughs> Angelique, maybe maybe uh, you could give your thoughts on all of that he, he just brought to the table. You know, John, I mean, my perspective coming into this a long time ago, I grew up in Ohio, so I knew Michigan-Ohio State, and, and I always loved that rivalry. So coming here – and experiencing Michigan, Michigan State, it's been it's completely different. I mean, it, it's it is it can feel very toxic. 
But I will say sometimes I think, do we look at this through the lens of social media and message boards where there's so much going back and forth? Because I've received emails from friends of mine who went to Michigan State who were appalled by what happened in the tunnel and, you know, didn't like any of that one bit. Um, you know, I'd heard a lot of what uh, what John Bacon wrote about. I heard about that about 10 or so days ago. And, you know, I think it's it's hard to imagine people saying things like that on the sideline. Um, I'm sure there are some variations of those kinds of things in the heat of the moment. You know, you say stupid stuff. But, um, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth on this. I, I mean, because it, it gets very ugly that week. And, and this year it was two weeks leading up to the game. And I'm like, it's just too toxic. Maybe they need to take a break. But you know what? Television's not going to let that happen. I mean, next year, can you imagine how this is going to be played up going into that game on television and all the stories? Um, I, You know, I think that they've got to find a way, and I'm not sure how you do that, to make this uh, a little more collegial. But, um, you know, I think <laughs> in the past we've all, we've all celebrated, oh, they hate each other, whatever. And it, it just went... It, it it just went DEFCON is DEFCON one. That's the worst, right? DEFCON one. There you <laughs> I go. I was like, is it five or one? And right. uh, you know, it, it really has in the last few years and it hasn't been fun and it needs to be fun again. And I'm not sure that it can happen, but I also don't see this this series going away. Well, here's how it can, so, can, I, can, I, can I chime in real quickly though, John. Uh sure. dovetail off Angelique, how it can happen. Here's how it can happen, which won't happen is that you're going to have to get Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker on the same page. And we go into the summer, they're going to have to have public service announcements. They're going to have Izzo involved with that, Juwan involved with that. You're going to have to get the presidents. Well, Michigan State needs to get a president and get a board that operates in succinct to get some leadership at the top. Michigan's got a great president now. And 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 have a campaign where 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 sportsmanship is 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 pushed and let's get back to the to the 70s and 80s. I mean it was it was tight, but when I was in school, I mean, it was like this, like that, but nothing compared to now. I mean, it's going to take a PR effort and cooperation. And will Mel Tucker and Jim Harbaugh do that in a cooperation fashion? I don't see that happening. I just don't see it happening. Okay. Well, here's one other way you can you can uh, add a little levity to the whole situation. At Michigan State, say half hour before the game, they work this into the pregame planning. You put – Juwan Howard and Tom Izzo in those giant bubble suits, the big ball. There you go. And Jake. the first one to knock the other one outside of the lines oh, that oh, you, yeah, you, oh, yeah, that, you, help you win it, it yeah. and everybody has donuts. There you go. All right. We're, we're, we're in the Mr. home stretch Solution. here. Mr. Solution there, John Borden. Okay. Well, you can thank me later. Uh, <laughs> we're in the home stretch here in this podcast. I want to – Throw out one more Ohio State question because there's plenty OSU on the mind, even though it's Illinois week. Uh, Angelique, you've got those running backs for the Buckeyes a little bit nicked up. Do you expect, and and you've had other injuries uh, in Jigba throughout the season, do you expect that by another week and a half they're going to be all back up to speed? I, yeah, I think the running backs, I don't know about Njigba. I really don't. Um, but I think the running backs, I think they're coming back this week. I thought that's what Ryan Day said uh, Tuesday. 
Um, but yeah, I think that they'll be full strength and, you know, you're right. And I have to admit, I I've been barely thinking about the Illinois game. I mean, who doesn't start looking ahead to, uh, what it could possibly be. They both have to get their jobs done on Saturday, Michigan and Ohio state. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that they will be as, as full strength as possible in Columbus. Okay. Well, I just, uh, those nagging injuries that just seem to have popped up, uh, for the running backs, they may be good to go, but if you've tweaked an ankle, uh, and, and, you know, it just takes that one, uh, one hit to, uh, to bring it back, but we'll, we will see where they end up with, uh, personnel wise. Obviously that is a, uh, a very dangerous roster either way, even if you have some, some players that uh, might not be a hundred percent and Michigan certainly needs to, uh, get some of their own back to full strength last thing for both of you and it's a straight up yes or no and a little embellishment if you choose (laughs) michigan has to beat ohio state to be in the playoff tom crawford you go first (laughs) what do you think (laughs) they have to beat ohio state okay because it's going to be the sec is going to take over invade the cfp let alone you you could have a, a tcu sneak in there so, I mean, they've got to beat Ohio State. This is a non-negotiable scenario for the Michigan Wolverines. you got to run the table, and then you can get your berth in, in Phoenix where Georgia goes to Atlanta. Angelique, is he right? Yes. That's my answer, yes. I mean, Tom's, <laughs> I, I don't, there you go. I don't have, there you I, go. I don't have to add anything because he's he's absolutely correct. I, I totally agree with him on this. I, you got to right. go to this and win. There you go. Uh, from the word of two longtime experts on Michigan football, and we thank you both for sitting in with us tonight. We will uh, do this again next week. Angelique, I know you've got uh, things that you have to do, and Tom, you as well. I appreciate it I again. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, you've always got something going. <laughs> so uh, take care, and we'll see you all next week. All right, Thanks, John. John. Thanks, Tom. And uh, all right. really happy Thanksgiving.